last weekend we went to on a field trip (laughs) we did go on a group field trip our first group field trip (laughs) we went on a group field trip to see a black Klansman over at atlantic station the kkk is planning an attack how do you propose to make this investigation we'll establish contact over the phone We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face-to-face. So there becomes a combined Ron Stallworth. Can you do that? With the right white man, we can do anything. And what a hard-hitting movie. Man. I'll just start there. We um, walked out in silence, right? Everyone was quiet. Yeah, well, by the, yeah, by the end of the movie, all I, I heard it was silence, and then it was just sniffles. And that's all I heard was the silence and sniffles. Like that last montage was pretty deep. But we can get into that, I guess, as we go along. Um, what were your like? Oh, first of all, let's start here. What did you expect going in? Like it's a Spike Lee movie. He he's put out some films, but I feel like he hasn't had a movie that everybody was really excited about in a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess Inside Man maybe is the. I like the Inside Man, but. Outside of that, I don't know that he's... Chirac pretty much got panned. People weren't really feeling Chirac for various reasons. Oh so, God. like, whether it was the actual acting and the production of it or, like, the content of what was in it. But what did you expect out of Black Klansman just going into it? Well, I'm not as familiar with Spike Lee's filmography as I really should be. And so the only Spike Lee film I had seen prior to that was Chirac. And I was like, Damn. And I was like, wow. That yes, is wow. a Everybody, hell of a way to start this podcast. Right. I, well, first of all, I mean, I went in, it was, I believe I went to an advanced screening, but I honestly don't remember because I tried to shut that out from my memory. Right. Um, but I remember like the whole concept of that film just being very flawed because it was supposed to be an adaptation of like a Greek film or something. And mm. I was like, this just reads like, you know, there are certain artifacts that are a product of its time. And I felt like the way that Spike Lee tried to do that in attempts to condemn black on black violence and using Chirac as his title just seemed all the, all the way as flawed as it seemed on paper. I was like, wow, I really wanted to like, I really was hoping to see the Spike Lee that everybody sort of fell in love with. But with that film, my hopes were dashed. And so, so my expectations were, um, I guess understandably low going into this because I was like, what old man politics is he going to bring into this film? That's very interesting. That's where I was. I at. didn't know that when we were sitting there that the only other Spike Lee movie you saw. That would have been some that great. Was, that would have changed, changed my entire oh, that's, that's true. The day before, Mike and I did watch She's Gotta Have It. Um, oh, okay. Which right. was interesting. Right. And right. I did end up liking that a lot better, though, to be fair. We did watch that, and but I do understand that that's sort of like another anomaly in his filmography right. because for me that was like his take on like a Woody Allen romantic comedy which I was all the way with <laughs> so anyway but yeah okay what were your expectations going into the film yo well I'm a little more versed in Spike's filmography than you are and take that <laughs> it wasn't a jab it wasn't a jab <laughs> but just you know seeing school days and do the right thing and bamboozled and understanding right how he likes to interact uh a black experience into the world and i knew with black Klansmen, at least based just based on the name that he was going once again pit into the forefront not only something that american history loves to try to cloak and overlook but like the clan was such a major part 
of the civil rights movement. So you cannot erase that. And mm-hmm. I think with Spike, you know, being Spike, he was going to spotlight it in some, you know, super bizarre way. So I guess I was more interested, but I was a little worried because of Chirac and mm-hmm. thinking like maybe he's crazy. <laughs> like maybe he's lost it. But no, nah, I was, I was, go ahead, John. I'm not going to say it, my thoughts is yet. Um, I mean, going into it, I was excited. I felt like maybe part of it wasn't, I didn't, I mean, okay, yeah, I'm experienced in Spike Lee films. Like, I've seen enough of Spike Lee films to know that, like, he's hit or miss. He has a lot of hits. He has some misses. And, you know, that's just what it is. You know, like you said, do the right thing. And um, he got game, Mo' Better Blue. Like, all of these joints is movies that I grew up watching. So, like, I thought that, I knew Spike, he might be kind of like Kanye, at this point where it's kind of like oh, you have a, you, you have classics but then you have some joints that's just like why'd yeah. you do that <laughs> <laughs> like, you got a pablo you got yeah you might you have know. a pablo you might have i mean people feel their way about yeezus people right. feel their way about 808s and heartbreak so it's like all right fine whatever it's debatable but um i was excited because i like john david washington yeah i think he's dope um I didn't really know much about him before he had a the role on Ballers, and I watched the I think I watched the first season of Ballers just to see what it was about, and I thought he did a pretty good job. I was like, you know, he's not his dad, but he has his own thing. Like mm-hmm. I think he's a pretty decent actor, mm-hmm. whatever. And I was, and I also like the uh, damn, I'm forgetting his name now. What's the white guy's name? It's yeah, Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Driver. Yes, Adam Driver. I think he, I like him too. I think he's a pretty good actor. I I saw him. I think the first time I saw him was on like the first season of Girls. Like I might have watched like a couple episodes of Girls, and I was like, "Oh, this dude is crazy as fuck." But like, he's a pretty good actor because I believe he's out of his mind. Yeah, he has a look to him too. <laughs> his, look, yeah. his look is very insane. <laughs> uh, yeah, he looks kind of thrown off. So right. I'm like, if you're gonna pick a cop or whatever you're gonna be, then, then be you know kind of thrown off. He's uh, doing. He's the guy. Like, he's he doing. Yeah. This is face. It's something about his face. Yeah, you know he looks insane. Right. Like, Perfect. He looks crazy. So I expected good things out of it. I just didn't know. I didn't. I wasn't familiar with the story. Me neither, actually. So I, I didn't know that there was a, a black cop who, you know, infiltrated the Klan and yeah, was, and was all thought that to other have stuff. all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Seemed like so. Like I couldn't believe that it was, you know, based on a true story or any of that. So like going in, I was like, okay, we have to see like what's going on. I here. thought it was gonna be like a fantasy film. Like I mm. thought it was fiction based. You know, maybe like his interpretation of what if a black man was in the clan. Right. I didn't know about yeah, like I, I kind of figured he was, he gonna, was gonna especially when I heard Jordan Peele was a part of it, I was like, okay, they're gonna go with something more gonna, like fantasy based. Right. 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 I yeah, literally gonna, thought he was gonna put on like the clothes right, and like be at the cross burning and all that shit. And then it turns out it's about a cop that infiltrated it. You know, but he was never really there, right? He had a he white had, double. Basically. He had a white double. Yeah. Yeah. Which this does sound like fantasy. It sounds like something you could have made up. Sure. Well, it's, kind of, it's also like an episode of like racist catfish <laughs> too, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you get on the phone and like you that play title this role. went on the cutting room floor. They're like, what? Yeah, racist no, catfish. No, racist no. catfish. Like, same ring. They too. definitely yeah. thought about it though. Yeah, someone had to have brought it up. It's on like a whiteboard somewhere in like a back room that never got a race. Like it's like catfish, but. Racism. But racist. <laughs> that's pretty much what we have here. Yeah. Um, you know, with this flick. Um, so Ron Stallworth becomes a cop. Uh-huh. They send him on. They you know they upgrade him from the mailroom. Yeah. They send him on his mission and say, hey, you know this guy, uh, Stokely Carmichael is speaking and he's gonna rile up all the Negroes and like we want you to go check out this 
scene, this, you know, this this meeting of the make sure shit doesn't get out of make line. sure the shit doesn't get crazy. You know, he he's gonna stoke them up and have people ready to ride. Don't want to get too radicalized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep the Negroes at bay. So like with a stick. <laughs> yeah, like poke them if you got to. Just keep, keep them in line. Keep them in line. Make sure they don't get too rowdy over there, too rebellious. So he goes to this thing, but the that speech that he was giving, like I was impressed with just the delivery of that speech. Oh yeah. Because in my mind, I'm like, these are bars he's giving. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, did he do this in one take? Like, did he? Did they have to? How many times they shoot this scene? Because he was giving it. Like, up. who wrote this yeah. speech? Who wrote this speech? Was it yeah. Quinn Miller? Was you it know? Quentin Miller? Yeah. Somebody tell me who was the uh, specifically like the rest of the movie is cool. I just want to know who wrote that, that part. That part. Not who wrote that part for him? No, it was really well done. It was super well done, mm-hmm. and I didn't think that. I didn't think that the guy was a bad actor in general, but I didn't know he had that in him. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, he sold yeah. that. He, yeah, I was super slow. He had me locked in. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, oh, he's busy. I was ready to go put on a beret right. or some shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, like, yeah. Oh, I'm wow. glad you bring that up, too, because, like, it really kind of helps set the the stakes in the film, like, pretty early on. Heavy. Yeah, like, real, real heavy. Um, I know for me, like, the moment that I saw Topher Grace on the screen as like the head of the KKK. I was like, oh, it's really on. Topher Grace and David Duke, like, wow. Yeah. Like, um, just because, um, and I thought the the timing of that was very apt too, just because um, going into the 2016 presidential election and as, you know, we're starting to see white nationalists in the news again, I felt like CNN kept replaying a very, spe- like kept, showing us a very specific portrayal of a racist tribal tattoo, you know, swastika, like maybe on like the right arm. And they're like frothing at the mouth as they're like yelling at protesters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They're like raging. But to see Topher Grace's David do specifically reminds, should remind us of the fact that not all racists rage and that a lot of them speak with an indoor voice. And just because they speak with indoor voice doesn't make them any less intimidating. What was really interesting was how um, the the guys like in that local chapter, the ones who were like a little bit more like off their rocker, a little bit more trigger happy and stuff like that, they were seen as unstable even by the David Dew types. It was like, you got to watch out for those guys. You all are animals. You all are animals. But then meanwhile, you have somebody who's like, literally in charge of this like massively inhumane organization mm-hmm. who's able to keep his composure but just because you keep your composure doesn't make you any less of a monster no and that, and those are kind of the ones that that we, we we see more of them now in in mainstream type of ways right like they are like they are, I was literally just watching Steve Bannon do his Ari Melber interview like before I came over here um Stephen Miller uh, Richard Spencer, Mike like, Pence, Mike, Mike yeah, Pence. yeah, like all of these people are like, like you said, these are the races in suits and like composed and speak calmly and smile and talk to you in a circuit, but it's like you're a piece of shit still. And David Duke was definitely that piece of shit. I like how they slid in the reference, like, oh, well, you know, I'm looking to run for political office, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that yeah, was well there's done. a lot of pointed, like. When he threw those in, they were real sharp. Like you know exactly, like the okay. juxtaposition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Between now and then, they wanted to make sure you know there like was no mistaking the how close we're tied to that mm-hmm. time. Still, it hasn't changed that much. Spike made some great points throughout the film. For sure, 
I will say like a lot of food for thought, especially when you want to think about in the context of the rise of the white nationalists and like how visible they are now. Yeah. You know, like you don't want to miss out a chance to let people know what they used to look like, how they used to move. So it has is good. Like I can't I can't take away from the dialogue it's able to create. Yeah, yeah. What you? Oh my God! When we saw the wife of that one guy, you said something oh, I, in the oh, theater. Oh yeah, what yeah, you I tapped, say? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as I saw the wife, and like, I think the first scene is where they're having like a meeting in the house, and she comes out there with snacks or whatever, and then she's trying to like uh, tell them about, I guess, the fact that there's going to be what was, she was trying to tell them about the uh i guess the, was it the march or that the yeah they were alluding to like another gathering or like right. another like, gathering of yeah. a, a black student organization and she was pretty much trying to put on her husband and like his cronies that like if you want to go like attack some niggers this is the place <laughs> to go do it and they kind of like shunned her aside and he was like yeah okay honey thanks yeah go back there in you the go. kitchen be yeah 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 see not heard like go over there we'll call you when you need you and like the funny part about that whole thing is that Spike pointed out like a lot of stuff in that scene, right? So I th- when I tapped you and said was like this woman right here is fifty three percent of white women. Oh, the fifty three. She yeah. like, she is the fifty three percent of white women, and like the way they set that scene up, I, it was so. It was so, to me. It was just so. It jumped out at me to the point of like, oh, okay, I see exactly. I see what she's saying. But the part that was interesting was that even with that, it was like a layered thing, right? Like, she's a wife mm-hmm. who is, she's still a woman, but she's a white woman. And she's, like, subject to, like, her husband's misogyny and embarrassment. Mm-hmm. So, on that point of it, you look at her and you say, damn, like, that's fucked up. But then she's, like, trying to tell her husband where to go kill black people. So, it's like, you're an evil bitch. So, it's like, it, there was all these dynamics going on. And it was just like, you don't feel bad for it. But it's like, there's a lot at play in just that right. one scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they did. They made her sweet. They made her, yeah, like, she was very, calm, sweet, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, very yeah. southern gal. It's very southern. Even the scene where she, like... Um, you know, as they move along and they get to like just before, I guess they plan to, you know, the, bomb, the bomb this. Yeah, yeah, and they're in bed and the husband now loves her. And oh my like, god, that shit was so weird. Yeah. 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 And they're like oh. talking, they're like spooning each other right. while they talk about the murder of black people. Like, that was their dirty talking. That was their dirty talk. Yeah, that uh. was literally their pillow talk. Like <laughs> that was like the sweet nothings they whisper into each other's ear. Like, oh my god, niggas are gonna die. Right. Yeah. And it's like that's what they were. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like that before. Nah. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I felt like a critique that I kept coming across after seeing the film was like, this was like very on the nose. For very heavy handed, right? For you guys, since you guys are better versed in Spike's filmography, like how did that compare? Like, was that critique? I don't think it was heavy handed. I think it was like right on the nose. But I feel like with Spike's films, he does like push it to the point where you have to see it. Like, he's not going to allow you the luxury of overlooking certain points because he's going to throw it in your face. Like, he wants you to see it. I guess I'm more interested in seeing, like, what is the heavy-handed parts they want to, like, describe. Like, like what is it? What is too much for you? Is That's a it, good question. Is it the conversation about race? Is it 
all the hard R's because I was talking to some people about that. Like, mm. there's a lot of hard R's just thrown around every, every couple of scenes. You know, thought it was a Tarantino film. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that had that feeling. Right. So I know for some people that might be uh, something that they feel uncomfortable about. But I feel like if it makes you uncomfortable, you have to ask yourself why. Right. Mm. I feel like that's what some of the movie does. It puts you in a place where you do feel it's very enjoyable. But I wouldn't be like, oh, this is the family film of the summer. Yeah, yeah. Nah. No, not it's not a Marvel film. <laughs> yeah, there's no Iron Man. There's no Tony Stark. <laughs> right. There's no, like, cute quips to break up the you know, racism. It's not a, a, a buddy-buddy cop film. At all. Yeah, there's no Nick Nolte. There's no Eddie nah. Murphy. That's not, how, that's not how this dynamic particularly At all. Out. But uh-huh. there, there's, there's some humor to it, I guess. Look, I mean, there's some jokes. And I had a, a lovely white lady sitting next to me. And there was just a little bit. I was like, "You're laughing really hard." <laughs> like, really? Yeah, I didn't think that. I didn't think anything was like really, really funny. They had a couple of good scenes where there was some banter, but like you know, like the um the white guy that was a little bigger, chunkier, yep. and slower. They, yep. like, he was a stupid guy. Right. So every time he would speak, they were like knee slapping. Really? <laughs> they, they were like, fly, like we, right. fly, we, we find this Yo. mentally disturbed gentleman to be hilarious. <laughs> pure, mm. pure entertainment. So yeah. that's, I was looking at that. I was like, okay. Interesting. I can see, like I said, it's enjoyable, but I, I thought it was enough heavy, not like heavy handedness, but enough like really direct points that Spike wanted to make mm-hmm. that can make you feel a little uncomfortable. But like I said, that's a, that's a personal issue. I don't think it's an issue with the film. Um, I thought it was I thought it was heavy-handed, but I don't use heavy-handed as a jab. Like most of the times, heavy-handed is like a slight against something, like you're doing too much. But it was a lot. Like I I had that feeling. Like thirty minutes into the movie, I'm like, damn, Spike is like swinging the bat really hard. Right. But it didn't bother me because in the context of what I was seeing, yeah, okay, like go for it. Yeah, take you know, it there. Take like, like take it there. Like just do that because, yeah. yeah, there were points that it it made me like. There were points that I think it did make me uncomfortable, but not to the point of I couldn't enjoy it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It was right. just like it was. I guess it's like a weird. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's fucked up. Like he did some S and M shit to me. I think like it was like some Fifty Shades of Grey. Like I'm uncomfortable, but I like it, <laughs> and like keep showing me this movie. I don't know. It was strange, but I wasn't mad at it because, yeah. you know. Spike does have a history of, as far as his movies are, a little, like you said, on the nose. Right. Like, whatever he wants you to know, yeah. they're, they're he's strong. Push yeah. Like, there's one thing to have a subliminal, and Spike, instead of having, like, a subliminal and hoping you pick it up, he's going to give you, like, 50 subliminals. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you'll know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm I like not gonna... you're gesturing your hand toward me because I remember there was one point that I asked you about. It was when the guys were, like, shaking hands and they closed in, and then, like, the guy takes his two fingers and he, like, tapped on the wrist. On wrist. You remember that? Right. I yeah, remember yeah, yeah, I asked yeah, yeah. you about that or whatever, and it turns out that's how Trump likes to shake people's hands. What? Yeah, like, I was so creeped out. Give him a little tap. Yeah. I think, he did, I, think, <laughs> I think he did that to... Um, well, I, I think he did Justin Trudeau. I read about it in an interview uh, that Vulture did with the actress Kathleen Turner. Mm-hmm. And just like coincidentally, the interviewer was just like, so you've been around for a minute. You ever come across Trump? And he, she was like, yeah, he has a gross handshake. And when I read that, I was like, dude, I just saw that in Black Klansman. I feel like that's the epitome of being a pervert. Like, right. If you can't, like, it's one thing to like, 
you know, violate someone, grab them, or do something crazy. But like when your handshake is creepy, yeah. Like <laughs> I've never heard someone call someone's handshake gross. Gross. Like that's or what I'm saying. Like a or gross handshake. Like that's yeah. That's like yup. That's what she remembered. <laughs> for nothing else. Well, that's a good like nice touch. Knowing right? that now, because I didn't know. I thought maybe he was trying to like signify like some type of you know like. Morse code or something. Sure. Oh, Maybe like, like yeah, break. like one tap might mean one thing, two taps might be, you know. This is like the basketball handshake, like of races. <laughs> like, <laughs> I shake you, give you a little two finger tap, right. but you know, hey, yeah. if we kill some black people today, it's okay. Like, we're all right with that. But the, in this case, you know, it just kind of fell in line with all their mentions about. Making right. America great again. Oh, oh yeah, they, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. They definitely made sure to put in, like, even uh, what was it near the end? I think when I think it was when Ron went to the bathroom and came out. He walks past like the two Richard Nixon pictures that were like mm-hmm. right down the wall. Mm-hmm. They made sure to give you those historical reference points. Of, oh like, yeah, this isn't new. Yeah. yeah. Like, nothing yeah. about this is new at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't have to watch Birth of a Nation, but of course they did. Of course they did. Yeah, why not? That's yeah. the cookout. That was a nice touch. Yeah. Sitting down to have a, you know, like a movie night. The family guy. What does a racist movie night looks like? <laughs> Netflix, Netflix and shit. <laughs> Netflix, <laughs> Netflix and grill. Oh, stop it. Oh, my God. With the steaks. With yes. the steaks. Oh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was bad even for me. Boo. <laughs> right. Boo. And you know, just to see their reaction to the film, like hooping and hollering. Yeah. And, you oh, know, yeah. their their banter just really drove home like this is what it must look like. Right. This is what how this is how y'all get off. This is what gets you guys up and going. Like literally though. So wild. Literally, because so I don't wild. think they ever talked about anything else. I don't think they would have hung out for any other right. reason. You got that sense. It was like, man, this guy's actually a little weird. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know about If he was my neighbor, I'd be like, oh, uh, guys, but. Like, something's up over there. Something's right. going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would not be the neighbor you trust to watch your house. Right. At all. Yeah, but you don't have to house it. I won't, I'm not even going to tell you I'm going out of town. <laughs> like, yeah, don't even trip. Probably watching me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but because because racism and because of, like, this weirdly false notion that America belonged to white people as if, like, they hadn't pillaged an entire nation of Native Americans. Yeah, there was nobody here before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I like about the contrast between the Black Student Union and the Klan was one Mm. is gathering for the empowerment of their people and one is gathering to literally tear down other people. Right. In hopes of keeping yourself on top. Yeah. Is really insane seeing those two things next to each other like that. Because, I mean, they're both organizations, right? They're the yeah. gatherings of people to talk about your race, right. except one is literally killing people, mm-hmm. while the other is literally just talking about uplifting each other, which is what made me feel awkward about the conversation between the speaker and uh, Ron when he was like, you know, what can I do? And he was like, you know, get your guns because uh, I don't think he said a revolution, but he said something's coming. And the thing was, they never really went back to that. They never That's really true. brought that back full circle. Like, I didn't understand why would he say that when you're literally just telling them about, you know, bettering themselves. Yeah. And next, now we switch up to the war is coming. Yeah. Like, it was so weird. It was a weird, it was a weird transition, and they never went back to it. I thought the Black Student Union was planning something against the Klan. 
But it never happened. Right. It didn't happen. Oh, by the way, I came in late. So I came to the, that's what exactly when I came into the speech. Oh. So, of course, me missing the first like 15 minutes, I wasn't sure if something was happening within that town where it felt like race relations were at like such a high tension that you wouldn't need to arm yourself. But it never came back around. That's a good point. Like, I hadn't really thought about that. And the other interesting point about it was almost the way he, he didn't, the way he told him that the revolution was coming and all that, it was like a whisper. Like, I'm going right. to pull you closer. I don't want everyone to know. But why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was strange. Yeah, you, you're right. It was strange why that was a secret. And it felt yeah, like maybe that's a nod to something that I just don't know about. Right. Or, you know, maybe I might like, have uh, to do uh, some digging. Yeah, do digging and see maybe if that's a nod to something else. But you're right. I didn't. They didn't really pay that off. Yeah. I mean, outside of the fact that, yeah, the, the clan, you know, they were... The clan were planning to They're bomb. planning to bomb, right, right? Yeah, but as far as like arm yourself, as if there was gonna be like a shootout at the OK Corral, they did that didn't really happen. <laughs> right, you're just gonna be on the block tomorrow, and it's going and, down. And it's gonna be, yeah, you're gonna yeah. walk 50 feet, turn 50, you know, and pace and shoot your enemy. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe something got left on the cutting room floor. Like maybe. I honestly don't know. Honestly don't know. Um, yo, in the group chat, you sent us a tweet that Boots Riley sent out. Yes. Boots Riley of Sorry to Bother Boots You. Boots Riley of Sorry to Bother You. And, um, I mean, obviously, you know, people are going to compare these movies. It's the, you know, it's right. the easy thing to do right now. This it's woke like, season. Yeah, it's woke season. It's hot outside, <laughs> and everybody wants to combat racism. <laughs> um, but what Boots Riley was saying was interesting in that they are billing this movie as based on a true story. Yes. And... Boots Riley has taken a lot of time, apparently, in very small font to like <laughs> lay out. It's very, very small font. I read the whole thing like as fast I as had I could. To zoom and, in. And yeah, I was trying not to zoom with. I, I suggest you. I just, switched from my phone to my tablet because I was like, like I can't yeah, I think yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this and you haven't read, go to Boots Riley Twitter page and find this piece that he just. I guess it's an essay. Yes, an essay we call it essay. Yeah. That he it's, wrote. A, it's almost like a movie review too, though. Yeah, it's yeah, it's some it's like Rotten Tomatoes slash well, he, like he he didn't really say anything about the execution of the film. True, right. a lot. His main critique was on basically this interpretation of events that based on the true story, and I guess what Boots Riley took issue with was that in this Hollywood adaptation, the cops rally against racism, right? Which I mean, to be fair, if you look at it and from that purview, it's hard not to be cynical. But did you sure. did you look at it that way? That the cops were rallying against the Klan? Well, there was... Okay, well, in the context of the film, I guess, um, this wasn't a mission that like their police chiefs were necessarily taking seriously. And so I will give the film credit there. But in the end, where they set up that racist cop to mm. out himself as racist... And then arrest him. That was kind of like a sitcom ending. Remember? Very, Remember yeah, at that yeah, point? We I'm all felt you. very fucking good about it. Right. Yeah, we, yeah, like, we oh, did. Great. That's a Happy summer blockbuster right there. Right there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was very comforted by that fact. And so Boots Riley took issue with that framing. Right. Because that didn't happen. That's that something they, yeah, yeah, he's they, a, yeah, they broke that, that into the film. Right. Among other things. Yeah. Among, and then I guess when you start to think about it, Cops and the cops really is like a feel good moment that we will not see outside. Right, yeah, you know it all. I don't think we'll step outside and, you know, Fox 5 will tell us about how the Operation Sting, a cop set up another cop. 
Yeah, no. Never seen that. That would be the front page story. Nah. Um. The way he also frames, I guess, like the rest of the movie is if it's propaganda, more or less. I mean, that's kind of what I took from Boots' piece. I didn't leave the movie feeling like the cops were the heroes. Not me neither. I felt like, because initially, you know, the, at least with the police chief, he sent, he didn't send Ron Stallworth to the Black Student Delegation Union meeting to combat racism and make sure that evil white people didn't show up. Right, exactly. He sent him there to keep an eye on the black people. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. He, you know, he was, you know, a dark-skinned man playing a light-skinned man's house nigga role. <laughs> like, Moreover, he sent him as, like, uh, David Duke's, like, bodyguard. You're going to yeah. be his bodyguard. Bodyguard. And you're just like, guys, like, what? Like, what? Like, him of all people? Yeah, come on. But I didn't feel like the cops were the good guys. and I felt like Ron Stallworth was trying, he did like trying to do something good or had in his mind thought he was doing the right thing from, you know, the whole, I'm going to do it from the inside type of mm-hmm. deal. Maybe in his mind he felt justified. Mm-hmm. And as far as his partner, his, I mean, the Jewish cop seemed to get on board. Mm-hmm. He had his own, I guess, issues or things that like could be questionable with him, but he mm-hmm. seemed to be on board with completing this mission and like, mm-hmm you know, fuck these KKK guys. Mm-hmm. So, but that wasn't the whole, that didn't make me feel like cops were good people after that. Nah, honestly, I just thought the cops were doing their job. Like, this is this is your job. They weren't doing anything extra out the ordinary of what I would expect from a cop. And maybe that, that made me realize, like, I still expect cops to do the right thing. Mm. Like, I feel mm. like that kind of like just thinking about the movie in context of who the heroes and villains are. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like there was like no good guys or no bad guys. It was just the clan being the clan mm-hmm. and cops being cops. Mm-hmm. But in a certain kind of framing, it does look like the cops want us to feel like they were doing this as to uh, help the community. You yeah. know, let's shut down the clan. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, but, yeah. Okay, but there's no movie good enough to convince us of that. Right. So I, I understand what Boots is saying. Like, this is like, you know, this is a, a propaganda machine. And then he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's saying that the NYPD paid Spike 200 no. grand for They, the they did pay him. Right. So, you know, he feels like this is, I think his exact quote was, this feels like an extension of the ad campaign. This movie yeah. is like an extension of that ad campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everything you said, it sounds fair. Like, I didn't think any of it sounded crazy, but I don't know if I fully agree just based off my gut reaction when I left the theater. Mm. Because I didn't feel that way. I mean, I didn't make, yeah. I didn't know all that information. Right. Yeah. But my gut reaction on seeing the film, I didn't feel those things that he was saying that he felt yeah. about. I definitely felt more conflicted. Like, okay, so basically the romantic relationship as it plays out between Juan Stallworth and the head of the Black Student Union, I feel like that's just like me all the time. And we talked about these similar themes with uh, Sorry to Bother You, actually. But that central conflict as to, like, do you try to start a revolution from the inside or you, do you just say, fuck that and just go against them head on? That's something I debate all the time. And honestly, there is no easy answer to that because... You can you can argue that like either way is like counterproductive or equally productive, but like at the end of the day, I don't think there is like a right answer. So between that and then the footage from Charlottesville 
on the one year anniversary. Yeah, the day we went. To, yeah, the day. Yeah, that, I guess we didn't that mention that part. Earlier. The day that we went to go guts. see this field trip was on the one year anniversary of the. Kind of planned it better rise. slash worse. <laughs> and I didn't expect to see that footage in there either. No. So like yeah. when they started showing it, and it was like as raw as you know as heavy handed as they might someone might say it was like they let all that footage rock like it wasn't edited it wasn't chopped for like okay we're not going to show the people get hit we're only going to show a picture of the car no they showed the car foot to the floor flying through knocking people off like i i didn't expect all that and it hit me much harder than i thought it would have that's probably the most i've ever seen from that rally to be to be fair, just because I think at that time I was so worn by all the footage of like police brutality. Like I had watched Fernando Castile get killed like the entirety mm-hmm. of that. So at at that point, I was just like, I thank you for telling me that this happened, but I just can't. So that was actually like my first time seeing that in full mm-hmm. to see that full it just hit me like a like a ton of bricks. Yeah, especially coming off the movie. Like right, yeah, after you just you're, saw you're all watching of all of this play out with the clan. Like, the they cops. did it. They completed their mission, right. I guess, except. You uh, know, we get one last cross burning to kind of let us know, you know, they're still rocking. But then, before, you know, going to black, he shows us, like, real time. Yeah. You know, he shows us the world that we've captured on our phones. And you can't, you can't walk away and just think about a fictional movie anymore. Now you're thinking about, like, reality and how we're functioning during these times. Mm. Yeah. On the streets of Charlottesville today, the hate boiling over white supremacists and countered protesters fighting with fists and clubs. Confederate flags on full display. The governor declaring a state of emergency. Yeah, I think when it, as it ended there, it, it felt silent. I think even a couple of people stood up and like applauded like before, before the rest of the footage came on. Yeah. And it was like, they played the, you know, they played the whole Charlottesville thing. They played Trump clips, and then when they finally went to black, like I heard at least seven, eight sniffles. Like I feel like people were in there, like hit them. Yeah, it hit them. Like I would not be surprised, but it was definitely, you know, sniffles. But no one said nothing. Right. We walked out of that theater quiet. quiet. Yeah, I think if I didn't have to pee. Like I would have just, I would have been just been paralyzed for like a half an hour because I remember I like rushed out. I was like, yeah. I just, but for a second I was, we were just stuck. Like we were in shock. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the more like more or less reference like code switching, and just being like the oh, second film yeah. we've seen this summer where that has been like a major theme. I noticed. From the time, I mean, I guess you didn't see the beginning, but from the time that John David Washington came on screen, like I noticed his voice off the top. And it was, you know, he was using his white voice, for lack of a better term. That was a source of jokes. I, I do oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Because, no, especially because I had seen Ballers and, like, not saying, and, you know, between seeing Ballers and then seeing his interviews where he's being himself and then yeah. seeing his movie, I was like, I know that you're doing a voice. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't yeah. like he's just speaking in his normal voice, playing his character. Like, I know that you're doing a voice right now because that's mm-hmm. not, you're going out of your way to hit all of your enunciation. And even that was mentioned, you know, when he's on the phone with David Duke and David Duke is just assuming that this is a white guy that he's talking to. And he tries to explain to him, like, oh, no, I know you're not 
a black guy because you know basically tried to explain to him like black addiction and what that would sound like on the phone and it was like that was that was the point where I started thinking about sorry to bother you up to that point in the movie to me they're totally different films yeah but when that scene played out I was like oh yeah okay like I see that part of it yeah and I guess code switching is always going to be a thing if you are a person of color who speaks you know colloquially and also you, you talk jive and <laughs> Look, you talk jive in English <laughs> like if that's what you you know that's gonna be I guess part of life depending on what your what your what you do what your job is or who you yeah. have to interact what with what kind on of spaces basis, you're in what kind of spaces you're in on, on a daily right. basis like I guess that's still gonna always be part of it yeah I mean that's how embedded racism is in the fabric of our country the wow. fact that like First of all, people were brought here against their will to work for fucking free. And then and but then to that be criticized by the way they speak. Right. From people that would have been their masters like a generation it, ago. Yeah, it's like, come on, bro. <coughs> Topher. <laughs> Topher Grace. If Topher Grace could have just played a guy named Topher Grace, and I still would have believed he was a racist asshole. Oh 100%. my god. Like Topher Grace is just you have to be a douchebag. Topher. Great. Like you have a lot of blazers with like patches and like insignias <laughs> and shit on them. If your name is to- like that's just an asshole name. Topher <laughs> Grace. It? Oh my god! I mean, after the movie, like that was what I came back to. I read the Topher Grace interviews because I was like, that is the most genius casting I've seen in a minute. Yeah. Because when he came on screen, I was like, that. How do you, how do you? And um, what was so interesting to me from those interviews was that. Um, he talked about trying to f- find the human, f- find the humanity in every role that he plays. I think that's what most actors try to do. Yeah. They try to they try to relate to them in like some way. But like he goes to audition for Spike Lee, and he had to be frank and was like, "Listen, this is very racist. I'm very uncomfortable <laughs> like saying this dialogue. Mm-hmm. I want this role, but I'm so uncomfortable right now." Um, and Spike had to convince him that he's like, like, listen, you're fine. You're an avatar for a greater cause. Like, <laughs> right. I, I get it. You're not the racist here. Find but, it, though. Find, yeah. find yeah. it. Find it. Find, find, however, your racist, however you find, have your it, find your inner bigot and bring him out and show him to me. <laughs> Do it for the country. Well, in regards to that particular point, I just wonder what those days are like on set with like white actors when you have to do this like wildly racist shit. Like I the, would watch a documentary on that. Yeah, I would. Yeah, take I would your like boss of listicle, a most convincing racist. Yeah, sit them all down mm-hmm. and be like, I need to Allison. To right. Yes. Yeah. That's genius. That's actually a really good idea. That's going Allison, super viral. How did you? How did with those yeah. Fruit Loops? First of all. <laughs> yeah, I, I want I, like a thorough explanation on like white actors who have to do like the most racist we shit need ever. Executive what's the producers. process what where, where do you go yes. to find that yeah oh yeah, my god we need to take this off the podcast and right. we're gonna make this out right now just go dead yeah, <laughs> yeah. but i see, like really tapping into a role and knowing that this might not be something you agree with or the feelings you've never even thought about and having to be convincing like I can't imagine the kind of like method acting or what you have to do to tap into that, and then how do you let that go too? You know, like I I'm, I always think about how uh, after roles those personalities kind of stick with you, or something about that has to kind of crawl up under your skin, 
Um, some people, of course, are better at letting things go than others. But I always think back to Heath Ledger and, like, the Joker being his last role. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's not a coincidence. Just like that, that and he did it so well. Like he sold that madman. I was like, you just you don't walk home away from that. Okay, cut. We're good. And then go and like you go kiss back. your daughter and right. like, hey, Michelle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make like balloon animals and right. shit. Like yeah. you know, finger food. <laughs> yeah, Chuck E. Cheese. Like no, you're going into a hotel room and you're you got to work that out. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I guess as a final thought, I will say that as problematic as this premise may or may not be like i i just want to see boots riley's footnotes and to his credit he did put that he did cite his sources on twitter yeah as problematic as the the source material may have been i will say that i do think this film was a lot better than chirac like <laughs> first of all <laughs> first of all and um i did feel like this was definitely one of the must-see movies uh for this summer um for i sure. walked away feeling very very heavy um oh, yes and so even if this does end up being some pro-police propaganda i don't feel any better about this country than i did before the movie yeah facts hey man not for the same way i think you should see the film just to always kind of be tapped in to what we what we know as far as like the truth i hate the truth but like the clan was fucked up like yeah. as an organization what they were able to accomplish in this country is a travesty so i want that to always be a part of the dialogue about america like i don't want us to sweep that under the rug i don't want us to try and reframe david duke in 20 years as some you know campfire guy you know right. A Bob Ross uh, figure, right? Like no, because <laughs> he looks like it, right? He trees. really looks like the he's happy little burning tree. I just, I just, one day he's gonna pass away, and I can't wait for the thing pieces. Oh man, I cannot not. wait for the thing pieces because, again, like they'll tr- they'll change the whole narrative, huh. and they'll like spend enough time away from a subject, and you can start to alter how people view it. What was on his bookshelf? Right. Yeah. <laughs> You know Hitler being a painter. He like buffalo plaid, just like every every other right. hipster out here. You anyway, know. oh my god, yeah. saved my cat from a tree once. Right, yeah, that kind of shit. Right, yeah. fruit of the earth. Um, I, I definitely go see the movie. Um, it's a great story, like you said. I guess, I guess Boots is now throwing this monkey wrench in this in the mix as far as whether you can fully, I guess, quote unquote, believe in the story or not. Um, me personally, I wasn't going to see it because it was based on a true story. I was going to see it because the premise of itself of a black cop infiltrating the Klan just seems interesting to me if Spike Lee is going to do it. The based on a true story thing, I guess, was just like the cherries and whipped cream on top. Cool. If it's a true story, then I definitely want to know because I never heard this story before. But outside of all that, just from a production artistic standpoint, it's an amazing film. I definitely would say go see it. Um I don't know. I, don't, I guess there were some levels of mixed reviews that I saw, but I don't really get how you saw this and had a mixed review, but I'm sure someone will come up with something. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, Spike Lee did a good one now. Shout out to Harry Belafonte. Shout out to Harry Belafonte. That was a dope little surprise. Indeed. It'll just pop up like that. So I guess if Spike Lee is Kanye West, this is like his beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Woo!